welcome to CIL. So good to see, man. People are on every section here of our CIL building. And great to see you guys online. I can't see you, but you see me. Actually, I was on the phone saying hi to a bunch of you guys during worship. So if you're here and you saw me doing that, I wasn't disregarding the Holy Spirit. I was just saying hello to my other friends online. Uh, recently, I had a kind of a family get-together. We don't get to do that very often with my extended family, my brother, my sister, my mom. Uh, we, were, we were talking about um, someone from our past that everyone liked, and a couple of us had forgotten about this person. A couple of us remembered a story, and we were telling funny stories about them. And then mom said, you know, one night, and this isn't going to be funny. Let me just warn you. She said, one night, um, we'll call her Sally. Sally was at the grocery store, and the Holy Spirit um, led her to leave and come to our house. And she said, and that was the night my sister passed away. She happened to pass away there at the house. So when mom said this, I thought two or three things. First of all, I thought she totally just Jesus juked us, right? You know what that is? It's when you're having a good time and you're laughing and someone brings up Jesus and then you're just like, okay, you got real serious real fast. <laughs> then I thought, you know, that's an amazing story because now here, 23 years later, um, she's telling a story how the Holy Spirit invaded uh, someone's mind, thoughts, intentions. This was before text messaging, probably before mobile phones, but the Holy Spirit led our friend to come to our house when my mom needed a friend. And then the third thing I thought is, that's going to be a great sermon illustration for my Holy Spirit series. Thank you, Lord. You see, life is just a sermon illustration when you, when you preach for all these years like I have. Um, but it's a reminder of why what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit is so important because this is not just a theological concept or it's not trying to prove a point or it's not trying to stake a position. It's like the afternoon before you and the week before you, the Holy Spirit's here to help you and he's ready to help you and he's ready to get involved in your situation. So well, this is part two of a series called the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just quickly review last week. I mean, this was our point last week is that the Bible um, treats the Holy Spirit as a person. And so because the Bible treats the Holy Spirit as a person, so should we. And then really my one point last week was this, is that the Holy Spirit acts in intelligence and wisdom. And as you begin to uh, begin to see this, is that the Holy Spirit is making decisions and evaluations and passing on that insight to you. And so just this morning, you know, I don't often, I will not always have devotional Sunday morning before I preach. Sometimes that's later on in the day, but it just so worked out today that I had devotions and the scripture had me in Acts chapter 28. And I just saw just such a great scripture. I was like, thank you, Lord. This will be great for today's sermon. So let's go to Acts chapter 28 and you can just remain seated today. Uh, Acts chapter 28. And, and I want to just continue this point of the personality of the Holy Spirit, his intelligence and his wisdom before we get into today's theme. This is, is at the end of Paul's life and starting in verse 23 of Acts 28 it says, when they had appointed a day for him, meaning a day for his trial, uh, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers from morning till evening. He, that's Paul expounded to them 
testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Can we just pause there for a second? How many know that that is, that is the truth of humanity's response to the word of God? Some were convinced and others disbelieved. Now let's go on to verse 25 because here's kind of the heart of why this passage stood out to me just this very day. And I'm now passing it on to you. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Here's a statement. The Holy Spirit was right, saying your father to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. Move on to 26. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. Now, back in verse 25, he said this, the Holy Spirit was right. I mean, we, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit like that, do we? I mean, we, again, he is categorized as some kind of like... Un, uh, this is a wrong categorization, but he is like a force. He's just, just a feeling, a sentiment. But this is the person of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, hey, guys, the Holy Spirit was right. The Holy Spirit made an evaluation because the Holy Spirit moves in intelligence and wisdom. And now we'll pick off, we'll pick up where we left off last week. So here's my theme today. And it, it's, it's a very thought-provoking theme. And it's something I haven't heard a lot of teaching about and when I've taught this in the past here, we've, we've said it pretty fast and then moved on. But we're just going to hang out here a little bit today. Here's my point today is the Holy Spirit has emotions. Now, even hearing that, this is the, the, the full person of the Holy Spirit. And we're like, really? Okay, where do we get this? So way back in the Old Testament, um, when Isaiah was talking about the people of the Lord, this first this concept first came into uh, the religious consciousness, and then it was verified again in the New Testament. So Isaiah 63, uh, Isaiah is calling God's people out to repentance. And then we see here in verse 10, this amazing revelation. Um, but they rebelled, and here's a key word here, grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. So let's think about this word grieve. This idea that the Holy Spirit was sad. The Holy Spirit was not, not in a needy kind of way, like I'm sad in it because the Holy Spirit, God, has all sufficiency. But in this sense of, of a disappointment, of a grieving, of a sadness because of the people's rebellion. Now, this, we notice the New Testament writers uh, were totally aware of the Old Testament, and so they're always rephrasing the Old Testament, sometimes using some of the key words, sometimes kind of saying the phrases again in either a fresh way or new way or in a way that applied to what they were writing. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, who was a Pharisee who knew the Scripture so well, said this as he's encouraging people to holiness. And here it is, verse 30. And this is our command today, our New Testament reading. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that I heard a lot kind of as a kid, but I didn't really think about it. It was kind of like, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the words just kind of rolled out of, you know, teachers and pastors and 
and it kind of just got into my mind. It got into my intellect, but it didn't get into my heart. And I don't know if it's even fully there yet. Okay, so this is something God's working on me here. The idea that the for every believer, this, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that's our helper, it's our comforter. He's there for us, comforting us, helping us, uh, giving us spiritual manifestations for the purpose of Jesus' glorification. All of that's happening. And then we could do something, say something, think something this, that would cause the Holy Spirit to grieve. And when we begin to have this type of relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, then it begins to change the way we live because we're no longer living by a list of rules of do's and don'ts and saying, how close to the line can I get and still make it into heaven? How many know that is what sometimes junior hires do? No offense, junior hires. We love you. But that, that's what that's what people who are kind of exploring life, they want to know how close can I get to the line without the consequences. But as mature believers, as mature believers, we have to get beyond this, this list of right or wrongs. That's the starting place. And to know that we have this indwelling spirit of God that's with us all the time. And there's times that out of love for us, he grieves for us. And when we're in tune with that, then we begin to see his leadership in our life, which though it's submitted to scripture because all of that's connected, though it's customized in the sense that based off your past, based off your future hope and dreams, based off your tendencies and your weaknesses or whatever the case is, that there's some things that are wrong for you that may not be wrong for someone else in this room or that's watching this right now. And, and if you don't believe that, read Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 makes it clear that some things, some sins are for everyone, but some things are wrong for certain Christians that may not be wrong for another type of Christian. And so this idea then is the Holy Spirit's within us and the Holy Spirit's grieving based off our past, based off, off our future hopes and dreams, based off our present reality. And just saying, that's not good for you. That's not good for you. And, and, and I, I'm not pleased with that. And, and this being in tune and being in step with the spirit, we can just begin to see a whole new dynamic in our spiritual life that he's watching us in ways that we never, never may have imagined. So, so how do we grieve, grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, I, I want to just give you a couple of thoughts today. I think a lot of us do it by just a disregard. We disregard the Holy Spirit and, and we don't include him in our lives in and so maybe teaching like this is going to awaken some of us. Like, yeah, I need to include the Holy Spirit, not just as a position in my life, but as a, as a recognized resident of my life. That like, he's here, he's, he's smart, he's wise, he's intelligent, and, he, and he's even emotive in the sense that he's responding to my life. And so I get leadership from the Holy Spirit. A lot of us just, a lot of good Christians and good people who I love dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that a lot of times we're just emotionally close to the Holy Spirit. Um, this happens in many areas of our life where we are emotive beings. I mean, we are emotional. And, and then there's areas of our life where we say, I'm not going to be emotional about something in my life. Now, I was reading a a book recently about a famous football coach, <laughs> big surprise, right? Um, and you know, of yesteryear of the 1950s or sixties. 
And, and this biography said this coach, who I won't name because I'm not sure if this was exactly true, but they did name the Super Bowl trophy after him. But anyway, this coach, he um, was great with kids. According to this biography, he would see kids and, and engage with them and remember their names and talk to them. But like a lot of men of his generation, could not connect emotionally with his own kids. So, so let's think about this for a second. Because there's a whole generation of men post-World War II that this was common. And maybe you can remember a grandparent or parent who was this way. That like they could like pet the dog and love the dog and let the dog kiss their face. But then they're never going to touch their child appropriately or hug them. Or, or, or they could tell people they barely know they love them, but not tell their own flesh and blood, blood they love them. And, and we know that this is, that for many of these men, this was not necessarily what their heart said, but there was this emotional kind of block. And so I just use that as an example of like, in our life, we cut ourselves off from a lot of things emotionally, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. But let's, let's talk about Christianity for a second. Because there's some people who love the Bible. Like, they love the Bible. They love the parchments. They love the Word. They love studying it. They love Sunday school. They love getting into the Word. And they love the church. Like, they're faithful. They're going to be here after the pastor leaves because they believe in the institution. They believe in the church. And they, they believe in, in Christianity and what it means for our country and for the world and for the next generation. And, and these are admirable and good things, but then there's this closing off of any activity of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's whole denominations that are that way. There, there are whole seminaries that exist to just disprove the Holy Spirit. And it's like this cutoff, and, and like then, then you can just feel it, man. You just feel when, when the Holy Spirit begins to, to move in a group of people, you can just feel this like closing up. And I say that not out of ridicule. I say that just out of awareness uh, because that's just how we are in life. And, and I just say that if that's you, if you like feel that a little bit, like, yeah, that might be me. Just, you know, just, just open your heart just a little bit. Just, just one step towards the Holy Spirit. Just, whether it's just closing your eyes in worship, maybe, or, 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 or any kind of movement or any kind of receptivity or any kind of, um, openness to the Holy Spirit. Because when we open all of ourselves to Him, then there's a chance for him to enter in dimensions never opened up before. But disregard grieves the Holy Spirit. So we're just like, hey, I ain't doing that. I'm never lifting my hands in worship. That's not for me. I'm not, I'm just, that's a really easy, that's a, just an easy symbol to say, I'm not doing that. That's not for me. And I understand there's times when I don't lift my hands in worship. Okay, so that, that shouldn't be this, this sign of spirituality. But if the Bible says to lift your hands in worship, and there's something inside of me that says, I'm never going to lift my hands in worship, and let's just examine that. We're just closed off. We're, we're just closing off. I mean, maybe, maybe you just do it by yourself. That's a good, like when you're alone by yourself and see the power of that, the power and the release of that, the release of pride. The release of pride in your life. Like, I, I just, I think it looks dumb. Maybe that's why you need to do it. Because we don't bring our pride into the presence of the Lord. We bring our humble hearts to the presence of the Lord. And so these are just examples. I'm not, I don't have an agenda here to talk about fatherhood or talk about lifting our hands. I, I'm, I'm giving us examples of how we close ourselves off and disregard certain things in our life and say, that's not for me. 
And, and I'd say a lot of us are, have done that towards the Holy Spirit. Um, many of us disregard his voice because of the lie of self-sufficiency. We've been trained um, to provide for ourselves. And I want to tell you, you are hardworking and you are smart and you, the, you have paid a price no one else has paid. That's a great thing. That's a value that's been passed on to you, maybe from a generation before you. Maybe that's been passed on to you just by kind of our cultural awareness of hard work. And that's a good thing, but don't trust in that. You know, don't trust in that. Even the ability to kind of pull yourselves up by your bootstraps really comes from the Lord. And so, like, in humility, like, this self-sufficiency that we have, like, I'll figure it out. I'll solve the problem. And then we disregard the Holy Spirit. So, like, what is it? There's a problem in your life. I know because there's a problem in my life. I told you last week something two weeks ago I didn't know about. Now I need the Lord's help with. And I'm asking for the Lord's help because I don't know how to do it. Don't worry about it. It's nothing. I'm not causing you to worry. I'm just letting you know I deal with this stuff too. And I'm just, I'm just saying this is that that you there's something you're concerned about. There's something you're worried about. Then give it to the Lord. The enemy wants you to be in isolation. The enemy wants you to be alone. The enemy doesn't want you to pray about it. The enemy doesn't want you to get the counsel of the Lord. The enemy doesn't want you to hear from him. But he is here to help you. And so this disregard, like now, hey, you're you're watching this. You're here today. We are regarding the Lord and we're bringing him into our lives. The second thing I want to talk to you about. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is in the area of mocking. Okay, so now we're going to have to think through this completely here because I want to be balanced in talking about this. Now, one thing you guys don't know about me is um, I'm really funny without the Holy Spirit, you know? And I've told you this before, but one of my kids told me one time, he said, Dad, you'd be so funny if you weren't worried about what Mom said. And I said... (laughs) Well, I'm not just worried about what mom says. I'm worried about what the Holy Spirit says. And so, you know, we have to have fun. I believe in having fun. And so it's very endearing to roast somebody. Remember Bob Hope had TV shows on that? I just want to take a, just a little poll in here, and you can go online too. Who in this room has heard of Bob Hope before, knows who he is? Raise your hand. All right. Raise your hand if you have no idea who Bob Hope is. Okay, so we're about two-thirds to a third. So as I was writing that illustration down, I'm like, this ain't going to work very much longer. And I was right. But, you know, Bob Hope, you know, would roast, like, Frank Sinatra. Why can you roast Frank Sinatra? Because he's, like, the coolest dude ever, you know? I mean, and so everyone kind of makes fun of Dad. And here's a principle of that. And I'm giving you a balance. I'm going to give you a, counter, a counterpoint here in a moment. Like, Dad is safe. Hopefully, when when I deal, and so you know, my kids tease me because I have, and I say this with humility. Hopefully, the power in the house, the power. Me and mom have the power over finances and power over rules, and so you know, they they may tease me a little bit about maybe something I'm wearing or something you know I misspoke a word or whatever, and that's kind of endearing, and you can kind of feel the respect of that. But then there's a line you can cross really quickly. Okay, so this is where we have to be careful. And, and this, is, this is the mocking spirit that we have. So I've had to back off a lot of my humor of what I did like 15 years ago because I didn't want to sit in the seat of the mocker. Now, here's the reason why. 
It's not because I'm just such a holy guy and I want to, you know, follow the Lord. I wish that was the only reason. But here's a reason. I did it for my benefit. Because whatever we make fun of, we eliminate as an influence in our life. What do you think about that? Once you start making fun of something, you eliminate it as an influence in your life. You, you feel the line that I believe there is. So I'm not calling us to like this legalism to never have fun or never to kind of in, with endearment um, imitate someone. But I am saying that like if we make fun of something all the time, we'll never receive from it. Uh, I, I have uh, friends who are Christian comedians, uh, one in particular who's quite successful at it. And that's a form of art, right? So comedic, comedic speech is a form of art. And so that, that might be different. But in our lives, if we're always making fun, whatever we make fun of, and if we never give it honor or respect, then we're never able to receive it, receive from this. So let me tell you about my pastor growing up. His name was Pastor J. Don George. And uh, he's a great preacher, an anointed preacher. And he came here a couple of years ago. I think he's 80 or 81 now. And, and he, he came here recently, and he is one of the most respected men I've ever known. Very dignified guy. But when he started preaching and towards the end of the sermon, he started having kind of like this sing-song kind of preaching. And sometimes the organist would get behind it and kind of play, and he'd do the sing-song kind of preaching. And I could give you a great imitation, but then it would mess up my sermon if I did that. So, so some of us around the church, we like develop this kind of way to imitate Pastor George, Pastor Don George. And, and we would imitate that. And I was actually really good at it. And, and I still am to this day. <laughs> and the reason we did this is because he was our spiritual father and we loved him and we respected him and we sat under his ministry. And, and so there was no, there was no ill will towards it. But I heard secondhand, I didn't hear this firsthand, but his wife who's also a godly lady, she said something. She said she heard one of the young pastors um, doing a J. Don George imitation. And she said, guys, we need to be careful because when Don moves in the anointing, we don't want that to become a joke. Now, that caught my attention for a couple of reasons. First of all, I've never heard anyone call him Don because he was like Pastor J. Don George. So she said, when Don moves in the anointing, but the point was well taken. So when he started moving into the anointing that inspired people prophetically at the end, and, and he had a certain style, the sing-song, the organ got going, if it became a joke in the church, then we're looking for the joke and not for the revelation. So you see where the balance is? And so, so we have to say, like, okay, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. If Don George is preaching and like the anointing's coming and his style is interesting and funny and unique and, and beyond just the smiling because it's fun, then we begin to mock it and make fun. Then we don't receive what the Holy Spirit's saying. So this is something that I think is a big problem with the gift of glossolalia, which is a gift of speaking in tongues. Now, our church, we believe in that gift, but some of us speak in tongues and some of us don't. And we don't believe that every Christian has to. We think it's a gift for some and maybe not a gift for others. So what I've noticed over the years, though, is what happens. People with a charismatic heritage begin to, like, uh, come up with these little games to make fun of speaking in tongues, even though they either do it or have been around it. 
And I'm not saying that I've never done that either. So I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. This is just something of instruction here. If we begin to make fun of glossolalia or the speaking of unknown languages under the presence of the Lord, then we disregard it as something effective in our lives. And it comes out of insecurity because it's weird. It's strange and it's hard to explain. That's why we don't really deal with that on Sunday morning a lot. It's just easier in a classroom setting because there's so many questions that come up with it. Uh, But it's hard to explain and it's unusual. And so because it's hard to explain and it's unusual, we're going to kind of poke fun of it. But when we poke fun of it, then it has no impact in our lives anymore. And I think that same thing comes true uh, for, for people who, who are closed off to that. And because they're closed off to that, they're gonna, they don't understand it and they're not interested in it. So they're going to make fun of it. And they're going to, you know, come up with some little sayings that if you say it fast enough, it sounds like speaking in tongues because it's going to try to make that look dumb and make that look irrelevant. And that's a safe way to cut themselves off from the full work of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants that to occur in their lives or in the church. So I, hear, I say this because I'm saying, let's be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because under the anointing, we're hearing a message and now we're, we are analysts of how someone speaks. We're not hearing what the Holy Spirit may be speaking through that woman or through that man or through that vessel. Or, or if we are marginalizing something we don't understand, we're cutting it off from our life. And those are just a couple of examples, but the bigger examples are rebellion, disregard of the Spirit's voice, and then I believe poor habits. So, like, I believe some of the things I brought up today, like, are not, like, evil things or they're not mean things people have done. They're, they're, just, they're just kind of bad habits or poor habits. Not too long ago, I heard a, a friend of Beth and mine talking about her early experiences with the Holy Spirit and, and, and was saying these things in kind of joking manners, which I've done the same thing. But in that particular moment, I was like, man, that, that's made you who you are today. You're a person who's sensitive to the Lord. You're a person who prays like other people I don't know. You're a person who is in step with what the Spirit's doing. And those past experiences have brought you to this point today. And so Though we can laugh a little bit, let's honor those experiences more than we laugh at those experiences. I hope, I hope that makes sense to you. Hey, I want to close with a scripture today. Because I want us to be people who don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but we hope in the Holy Spirit. We pull our, all our hope in Him. Here's the scripture. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. So that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Isn't that a great word? Come on, that's it. You want to write Romans 15, 13. Mark it in your Bibles. Put that date down. Hey, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because we need a lot more hope in this world. And I, I just, the, the hopelessness of, of those who don't know Christ, it's so, it's so hard to see. I mean... We can't put our hope in earthly structures. We can't put our hope in humanity. We can't put our hope in all the different crutches that right now culture is so relying on. I don't want to name them all because you can make the list yourself. Man, our hope is in the Lord. 
Our hope is in him. And that scripture says, hey, may your joy abound. May your hope overflow. It didn't say, may that happen if there's not a recession happening. Or if there's not a global pandemic, a term we weren't even familiar with a few months ago. Or or if you're only in complete health. Because I'm mindful, man. There's friends of mine who are, are suffering in health right now. I'm praying for them right now. Even this morning, they're in my hearts today. In my heart today, excuse me. But in the midst of affliction, in the midst of trial, in the midst, midst of, of dealing with illness, our hope overflows. Our hope abounds. Our joy abounds through the Holy Spirit. So let's not grieve the one who gives us hope. Right? Let's not make him sad by our attitudes, our choices, our bad habits when he wants to give us comfort, he wants to give us hope, he wants to give us help, and that's why he's here. If you're here today at CIL, let's stand together so we can respond to the Lord today. And let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. He's already here, and he was here before we even came, so we welcome him. If you're online, join us right now. We welcome him, not because we wonder if he's going to be here or if he's here, but because we need to ask. We need to welcome him. Come on, just, come on, just ask him right now. Would you just invite the Holy Spirit right now? We open up to you, Holy Spirit. We open up to your presence. We open up to your word. I pray for those of you who may have realized today you're emotionally closed off to the Holy Spirit. Would you just make a decision right now? You're going to start taking just steps in your own time, in your own way to open up that part of your heart. You love God's word. You love the church. You love the gospel. These are words that are comfortable. You're comfortable with the word gospel. That's a good word. You're comfortable with the word Bible. You're comfortable with the word Jesus. I love those words too. But there is something called the Holy Spirit. It's a he. And he, he is your comforter. And so he's there for you too. And, and you know, you're not going to diminish one because you've opened your heart to another. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the reason the Holy Spirit exists is so that Jesus can be glorified. And Jesus was glorified by the will of the Father, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all of them all at once, three in one. That's our faith. That's the essence of the creeds that we say. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so we receive. I want you to receive all that you have. We thank you for Scripture. We thank you for revelation of Scripture. We thank you for the love of the Father. But, Lord, we thank you that we are here on this earth because the Holy Spirit is here with us to guide us, to lead us, to direct us. The Holy Spirit is here as a companion, as a friend, as a partner. The Holy Spirit is here to help us through the situations that we need to get through, to help us with insight where the problem seems to be at a dead end. The Holy Spirit is here to get you through something that you never thought you could get through. Some of you are in situations today that if you would have known about this five years ago, five months ago, a few weeks ago, you would have said, I can never get through that pain. I can never get through that challenge. You wouldn't be able to face 
in your natural mind, you wouldn't be able to face what you're in the middle of right now. But can I tell you, our sovereign God knew what was going to happen and he sent his help and he is going to continue to help you. And you're not going to die in the valley. You know, you're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to get through the challenge. You're going to get through the obstacle. You're going to get through the shadows. You're passing through because your God is with you and he will strengthen you and he will sustain you and he will take you to the other side and you'll climb again. You'll climb to the high places of the Lord that the Lord has destined for you. I want you to receive. God is speaking to you. This is not just some type of figurative word that just generally goes out. The Holy Spirit is saying it to your heart, to your mind, to your emotions, to your will, to give you strength for the days ahead. That's what our God does. And that's why we trust in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you and we thank you as we come to this time of response. We pray that your will would accomplish and Lord, we would be doers of your word.